love is something that I can't explain. I can't tell you that it's about, you know, finding the love of your life. It's not. I think it's about growing in love and being in love with who you are and what the present can be for you. If you can get to a place where love represents how you act, how you react, right? If that's the initial part, that initial fire, that ignition that really gets you to put on the mic, to record yourself even if you're scared of hearing your own voice, to writing down those lyrics even though they don't make sense at the time, but working on them again and again and you know trying to add chords even though you can't play the keyboard that is far more honest than having all the skills welcome to ellas a bi-weekly podcast made by latinas for latinas i talk with talented inspiring and empowering women who are living their dreams and paving the path for the next generation i'm brenda hernandez jaimes and this is ellas Hola, welcome back to Ellas. I'm your host, Brenda hernandez Jaimes. Thank you for joining me on another inspiring conversation. And thank you for being here and listening to Ellas, which is a podcast dedicated to amplifying, empowering Latinas who are living their professional dreams and creating an impact through their work to our communities and with the purpose of inspiring our future generation to continue making their own dreams a reality. You can continue supporting AES by listening, of course, and subscribing wherever you listen to audio, as well as leaving a review, letting us know what you think of these episodes. And if you're watching through YouTube, hit the subscribe button and the bell to get notified every time we publish a new episode. And for episode 52, I'm really happy because I've been an admirer of today's guest and listening to her music and having her here on AES really comes a full circle, as I was telling her earlier. And I'm honored to present Alea. And Alea is a progressive and pioneering artist, delivering messages of love, connection, and Latinx empowerment. Her original composition summon lush, vibrant landscapes from La Guajira, Colombia to Bronx, New York. Buttery vocals, holistic guitar conversations, and riveting sax solos evoke a tropical wave according to Cultura Colectiva. Alongside performers Sinue Padilla Isunza, Franco Pina, and Berta Moreno, Alea delivers a high-energy program with unforgettable deep-rooted groove, seamlessly blending cumbia, vallenato, ranchera, jazz, and pop. Alea connects a diverse soundscape with New York City Edge. Once you listen to her music, get ready to dance and sway to an infectious soul Afro-Latin sound. A Berkeley College of Music graduate, Alea has shared the stage with well-known and Grammy Award-nominated winning artists such as Mireya Ramos, Smarty, Toto Lamamposina, Nela Rojas, and Sergio Mendoza, Montoya, and Gregorio Uribe. This versatile artist has given stunning performances in places and festivals like Listen to Women Online Fest, Saldremos Adelante Fest, hosted by Dr. Cracula, Joe's Pub, Kimmel Center's La Noche, Music Fest, Tito Puente Latin Music Series, the International Literature and Culture Fest, and Worcester Mechanics Hall. The Colombian-born and raised artist from Barrancas, La Guajira, lived in Boston during her studies at Berklee College of Music and was recognized in 2016 by the City of Boston for her contribution to Latin music. 
After making her move to New York City, Alea successfully founded her Indiegogo campaign for her 2021 album, Alborota, rooted in feminism and Latinx empowerment. Her recent singles, Alborota, Tu, Solo Tu, and Echale Sal have been highly praised by Marisa Arbona Ruiz of NPR's Alt.Latin, Victor Solano of Noticias Univision 41, Tenemos Que Hablar, RCN 24 Hours, Cultura Colectiva, and La Banda Elástica. Her newest release was also selected to be part of La Colombiana's editorial Spotify playlist. This tropical cumbia-inspired music with a twist of finesse and odd meters has charmed audiences of all kinds because it is the celebration of being different and a new definition of Latin alternative. So please join me in welcoming Alea. Hola, Alea. Hola, Brenda. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And for commenting and and sharing all that uh, background about myself and and my journey in music. Really is beautiful to to be contacted by someone with um, so much influence and, and with so much purpose to touch other people's lives. Thank you, Brenda. It's an honor to be your guest today. Thank you, Alea. And, you know, like I was, I was telling you earlier before, you know, our recording is that your music has really given me so much happiness in moments of sadness, especially during this pandemic, you know, obviously our emotions are like at high level. So we feel everything, especially me. I'm, I'm a very emotional, sentimental person. So, right, like now, right now, like I like, I feel like tears are coming up because when I feel like I am lost. I just put on your music, like Aire Guajiro, and I was like, okay, I, I listen. And it just like pulls me back down. It's like, okay, you know what? You are, you're, be grateful. You are living and breathing. You have health, you know, you get to do what, something that you're passionate about. And I'm like, and that's what your music does to me when moments of like, when I feel like I'm lost and I'm like, you know, I need to be grounded. So thank you. That's so beautiful um, that you share that with me and, and with everybody because it's like I was telling you for me the when something like that happens with my music it means much more than I feel like maybe for for others just for for the sake of not making music for that I've I've tried to be brave in making my music and and when mm-hmm. I mean that I mean taking the risk of being different while doing it and and taking the, those risks of you know not making music for others or or to be i don't know labeled in a certain way mm-hmm. um not because i don't want it to, uh, my music to get out there or to be with more people i, I love that <laughs> yeah. but what i mean is that it's it's not as commercial as mm-hmm. other things are and i work in sync so I, I know what that looks like and it really we make it with so much passion and so much tailoring and there's so much behind it you know yeah. um, especially you were just talking about Aire Guajiro which is a really personal song for him it's one of the most personal songs I've actually ever put out there and especially because it, it touches a part of my life that I've tried to heal and that I've also tried to find a, a way to to give it more space in my life so when you tell me that story it makes so much worth it <laughs> it just makes my day I'm here like okay we gotta keep making this music you gotta keep making it and I love it and I appreciate it and I really hope that our listeners after you know finishing to listen to this conversation go and play your music especially Aire Guajiro because it's amazing and beautiful and Alea you know I'm really interested because you just mentioned a lot of things that 
have given me more insight of who you are as a person and as an artist. So I want to go deeper into that. Like, who is Alea? Who really is that, you know, soul, that spirit that really creates and wants to connect and like in- inspire, you know, your listeners through your music? I think Alea, uh, myself, hello, <laughs> my name, Maria Alejandra Jimenez Gonzalez. I love saying my name because my birth name is really special to me, as, as well as my artist name. Mm-hmm. I chose it for a reason. But going back to my birth name is very special. It's the name, of course, my parents gave me, and it has my, my last names, you know, which have, that's a whole other story right there, you know, yeah. where those last names come from and why those two last names came together to make, you know, me and my sisters and et cetera. But it really comes back to where I grew up and the influences growing up in a land that is so magical and so bizarre, <laughs> everything at the exact same time. So I, I feel like I'm um, a bunch of, of contradictions and, and at the same time, I am a mix of everything that has gone on, just like everyone right mm-hmm. now at this point. I feel like we're all at a point where we can kind of step back and see all those incongruences and congruences and things that make us and unmake us mm-hmm. make you know like and and really find what's there and this concoction maria alejandra comes from la guajira uh, mm-hmm. which is a desert in the north coast of colombia it's a peninsula that actually sticks out into the caribbean uh, sea and it's a very forgotten place. Not, not many people know about it. You could ask people to be like, who, where is that in Colombia? And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's part of Colombia. <laughs> it's actually closer to Venezuela. So people can uh, confuse my accent from there as well. And even more, I grew up uh, speaking English because my dad um, worked for a mining company. Mm-hmm. And that mining company was owned by Americans. And growing up speaking English made you very weird and made you kind of strange amongst your family members. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like extended family, um, especially in a little place where you get all these opportunities, but at the same time, you lack so much around you. There's so much more that is lacking. Yeah. 40 minutes away from where I grew up was my grandmother's house and her town. My grandmother passed away uh, last September 2019. I'm sorry and for your And my grandfather loss. followed... Thank you. It's it's okay. And my grandfather passed away uh, March of 2020. So it was like a little bit fast. It was a little sudden. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a thought that, that I think will explain things much better is my grandma, you know, died without knowing what it was to have permanent electricity or like, you know, clean mm-hmm. water 24-7. That, that's something that still blows my mind still thinking about it. And the fact that I grew up with those privileges, mm-hmm. being 40 minutes away from her. So it was a very strange thing growing up with that much awareness, understanding these things, understanding that my grandmother was a woman of so much strength. That I, to this day, wonder how it got in her mind, you know, to be so strong, so self-aware, so independent, um, so conscious about her surroundings and about values. Mm-hmm. For someone that didn't have much, she had ev- what she had, she had a very clear, you know, honesty, being true to your word, mm-hmm. being completely transparent. That's like something that in my family is sacred. So mm, I grew up with those values and my dad is like that. He's like that what you see 
is what you get. Yeah. Is this human that is, is, is exactly that honest and that beautiful and that like calm and is there there's a lot there that unpacks while you go and, and go through the, the albums. But going through what they went through from not having much and then building this entire beautiful family where she her proudest thing was to say that her every one of her uh, kids graduated is married you know none have mm-hmm. divorces we'll talk about that but it's it's interesting for her and her values and you know for everything that she was you know she stood by it and died with that and mm-hmm. and really left a huge legacy her and my my grandfather mario jimenez alida and mario which i actually mentioned in aire guajiro they both left a huge legacy in a little town called barrancas la guajira now, I was baptized there. I was born there. It was a beautiful place. I still love to go back. I want to describe you guys, describe a little bit more to you guys yes. what this is like growing up in a place that is like tropical, but at the same time a desert, you know, right there underneath the equator. So it's like really hot, but the the breeze is really fresh. And um, so it's not hot like Barranquilla, you know, like sweaty, like mm-hmm. makes you like you're gonna die. No, it's like fresh, but it's really hot. So stay under the shade. And then there's a lot of cactus and like small trees. There's a lot of goats. Um, there's big, big. There's a big community, indigenous community called Los Wayu, who have survived 400, 500 years of displacement, slavery, um, all kinds of of mistreatments. But at the same time, such a strong, resilient um, community that still thrives and that changes and that has adapted through the times to what uh, you know life has uh, braced upon them Mm -hmm. so for me all of that has a really big place in how i write and what i write about and at the same time you know the the topics is is of what i value i guess my mom she she comes from Medellin so she's from the mountains she mm-hmm. she comes from a very developed city called Medellin her mom died young her dad um was not around much but she has like the most beautiful family they're all super cool and i grew up very close to them as well being so far away in distance it was about a 15 hour drive and how that was like such a big part of my life being in two places at the same time is exactly how i do my music so it's tough to put it into words but that that's what I mean by incongruences and and things that you know are completely contrasting Mm -hmm. is the desert and the mountains and then there's also like you know the music of the coast and the music of the mountains and the way that people act in the coast and the way that people act and behave in the mountains their celebrations in the coast and in the mountains and all of that is part of of who I am and what I value and at the end of the day you know it's just the the result of all of that is music uh, like Aire Guajiro uh, that has accordion, that has a guitar, that is mm-hmm. has a guitar that is you know thriving in some more intense harmonies that you would usually find in a vallenato, and that has another proposal of of melodies that are a little bit more pop, a little bit more modern, but are still trying to uh, honor the provincia, you know, those provincial sounds mm. that I that I grew up listening to. There's so much there to unpack, but let's just keep going. <laughs> oh, yes, there is. And I love it. So starting from the beginning, Alea, so, you know, you grew up, were raised speaking two languages, right? And you were saying that your family, not your nuclear family, but were very, maybe not understanding of it, you know? So let's go deeper on that. And I want to know how you were able to live in both worlds, both 
just take it all in, embrace it. And as well as hearing what you're saying and sharing, you know, your grandmother was so proud of that all their, her children were, you know, university graduates. And, you know, I imagine they were, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, like maybe not creative, but like, I want to see how you were growing up in this like two worlds and then also discovering your love and passion for music and just mixing those two congruencies in, in melding into one and really following that passion that you're doing now. I think I was given a lot of space and, mm -hmm. and that's something that I really uh, thank my parents for is the amount of activities and the, the space that they gave me to create. I guess since I was very little, I was always very hyperactive and just, you know, talking. I talked a lot. Apparently, <laughs> that, that's that's everybody's thing. It's like Maria Alejandra talks so much, <laughs> so I can only imagine how annoying that must have been. <laughs> but I think I just had so many questions, mm -hmm. and till this day, I'm a, one of those people that just asks a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's a way of getting to know my world and then figuring out how to express all of that. So thanks to that, I was giving that space to to dance, to paint, to act, to sing, to do sports, to do what what I love to do. And and thankfully, I think my mom and my dad just they came from such a tough background that for them it was really important that their kids maybe didn't go through the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. So we all got um, a bit of that. Now everybody in my family is a little creative in their yeah. own way. You know, my mom loves to paint to do um, quilting um I loved to find her like uh she would do like sketches of like nudes and she had she did like such beautiful work um growing up she always took like arts classes so I've, I've always loved that about her like even when she was like she took them young but then she took mm -hmm. them also like older and she would like keep going to these things and creating and that, that always inspired me to like keep going and then my dad as well you know he loves you know, just doing uh, his work. And he was always very, um, very attached to music in a way that I was, that I understood how attached he was to music. He's a melomano, how we call it, yeah. you know, how we say in, in Spanish, which means very... Music very lovers. Yeah. yeah, collected a yes. lot of music. And that time you really had to collect it. It's not like, you know, I just have a library of 2000 songs. It's like he had physically that many albums, mm -hmm. <laughs> probably. And LPs and a lot of a lot of knowledge there. So he always saw that I was extremely connected to it. I, I would always be rummaging through his stuff. And then um, <laughs> getting into trouble for it, probably. But I loved it. They had these, this, he had this huge... Um, music player that I had for three CDs and I loved just picking three CDs and hitting random so that it would choose a different song from the CDs and wow I'm just remembering that, that that it's one of those things that that like really that you really treasure on so with all of that space to create to do well there was nothing else to do but to express everything and those things that I were feeling were mm -hmm. in a painting or, and I was horrible at painting, but it was a good therapy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as well, um, and dancing. Dancing was, I think if I weren't doing music, I'd definitely be a dancer, like a full-time intense obsessive dancer. Um, <laughs> I don't know how that didn't happen. I'm still questioning how that didn't happen. Because I think, because I started dancing before I could talk. Um, I think it okay. was uh, a very big part of, of mm, of who I was growing up and today is still a big part of, of myself but 
maybe more in a just relaxing kind of a way, yeah. not not as intensely, I guess. And of course, in my performance, I dance as well, so it's part of that. But, but I think growing up, it was really important to create choreographies and to like constantly be asking my friends to come back me up and to like do all these like little sketches together and um, you know make an entire choreography to the Aqua album because it had to be done. Selena was also you know a big part of that, <laughs> and I think that that it that really was my escape to mm -hmm. absolutely everything. I could spend hours completely creating a choreography or or, or painting or. Um, writing and it was just something that I don't know I just got lost in a lot <laughs> which really interests me now I know because so you're saying that dancing was I guess your first passion it was like in you right it was like in your spirit and tied to it and then you went to you went to college you know for studying music in Boston so it's this I'm interested what made you make that decision of like I'm going to Boston gonna refine my skills and just go for it and putting dancing to the side. I mean it's part of your performance as an artist right but it's not 24-7 as it is with music yeah exactly I think with dancing well there were a lot of things that happened mm -hmm. I, I got an injury when I was about eight, uh, 17 16 and then I had to wait it out and then when I tried to go back it was like really hard to get your body to do what you used to do yeah. when you've been away for a year and there was a lot going on there but I, I wanted to to share a little bit more that I think my parents loved that I did all of that but they were also really scared about all of that so they weren't like oh yeah let's you know support her to go do music it was more like hey so why don't you you know think about something else <laughs> it would be amazing <laughs> You know, just keep it as a hobby. It's great. Makes you such a beautiful human. Could you study, you know, something a little bit more, you know, that'll give you a future or something. Yeah, a lawyer. <laughs> Your parents are cool like that. They're like, yeah. no, I'm not saying no, but uh, <laughs> could you, you know, do something a little bit more safe mm -hmm. with your time? So I was encouraged to do something else, and I did. I studied communications uh, in Medellin. I actually decided to stay in the country because... I felt like I didn't know Colombia as well as I wanted to. I felt like I'd always been in this little place, but I'd never known like the rest of it. Like I only yeah. knew a little bit. So, and also when I mean know it, I don't mean like be in it. I mean like, you know, grind in it. Let's take a quick pause on today's inspiring conversation to chat about landing your dream job. Let's be real. You can be the best mujer for the role and still not get a call back if your resume doesn't make a stellar first impression. The tricky part is knowing how to combine your experience with an effective resume. Well, look no further because our amigas over at Mujeres on the Rise recently launched their rising resume course to help you create your winning resume from start to finish. Once you enroll, this course will show you how to position yourself to recruiters, formatting your resume, how to stand out as an applicant, and so much more. Best of all is that Mujeres on the Rise is offering 10% off their course with the code ELLAS. That's right. Just head over to MujeresOnTheRise.com slash rising resume and enter the code ELLAS to get 10% off your course and land that dream job, mujer. Offer code ends March 26th, so hurry. Now, let's get back to the show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Be in the streets in it. Know the people in it. Know where to go and where not to go. Know, you know, 
everything about yeah. your city. And communications really opened my eyes to a huge part of history, politics, you know, Colombia's developmental uh date in every era everything so it was a really big part of of my life for about four or five years mm -hmm. and then at some point i i realized this is great but i actually really just want to do music and during all that time i never stopped doing music i was actually i had a band in, in medellin my own band my first band it's called delirare it was more of a collective i feel it wasn't like my band and they backed me it was like we were really a band which yeah. was really cool it was like that experience that I'm really happy I had, you know, because um, we were super, uh, we all felt that connection to go mm -hmm. and rehearse two times a week and to write songs together and to perform and our shows were, we were very underground bands. So, but it was cool because our shows were always full because people really wanted to go to our shows because they were like niche things. Mm -hmm. So it was cool. It was a really cool experience. I loved, I loved my life in Medellin. And I met the most amazing people. And there I was super encouraged to follow music even more. I started studying jazz because I started realizing I would do something with my voice that I didn't know, which mm -hmm. was called scatting. But I didn't know it was called scatting. I just liked improvising with my voice because that, that was what it felt, what for me felt like my first instrument, like my, my true instrument. I studied piano growing up. I studied guitar. I studied flute. But I don't know. It just they never stuck for real mm -hmm. and the voice was something that i felt was a whole nother world in in music and there were no music lessons no voice lessons where i was so to get voice lessons i had to trade a bunch of stuff up my mom was very upset but you know being how cool she is she was like oh, fine let's do it <laughs> so <laughs> Because that was very persistent. So I said, Mom, you know, instead of going to like this place on vacation, could I just stay at my aunt's and take voice lessons mm -hmm. um, in the city? So she would, you know, she would let me, you know, go for like a month to my aunt's place for vacation and take a lesson a month, mm -hmm. which for me were like, <sighs> I was super intense. Like you could imagine me like one of those really intense kids that's like, oh my God, to go to my voice lesson. I was super like thrown in about it. And I loved it because then it, it became like this thing where I was learning my voice when I was studying math or physics, you know, trying to pass chemistry and doing all these things. <laughs> so voice was something that really started like kind of creeping. Mm -hmm. But it was like my little secret because it was something that was so, it was not like dancing was something that I was just used to. I was good at it since I was very little. So I was it was always there yeah. and people would know me up for it. But when I started singing, I was very shy about it. Shy in a way that, like, I can't explain. Like, I, I got into my first contest, which I wasn't really trying to get in a contest. I was more so trying to get on a stage because yes. I love the stage. So for me, the stage is a very sacred place. And this mm -hmm. was something that I wanted to get access to. So I had to, you know, get into this one festival, the only one that they do in the place where I grew up because there were, like, 1,500 people. That's, like, it. So <laughs> can you imagine... This like 13 year old kid auditioning was super out of tune, you know, but seeing it with all her heart out and they're like, I think, no, actually I auditioned, I think two years before and I didn't get in. Yeah, that was oh. the story. And then I auditioned the third time and then I got in. Yes. And, but I was so nervous and all the other kids seemed so pro. And the reason why I think I'm telling this story is because that's when I fell in love with, with music is, mm -hmm. um, I think I'm Kelly Clarkson's going to be super flattered. I was singing a Kelly Clarkson song. Which one? Um, a moment like this. Ooh. 
Yes. And I freaked out hours before the show. I was not going to sing. I couldn't get myself on stage. I was just bawling, crying like there was no tomorrow. And a teacher of mine that really believed in me. You know, those those don't come as, as often as they should. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of passing by. You know, he wasn't a permanent teacher at the time. And, and he was just there. And I just really connected with him. And he was actually one of the first to give me voice lessons. This is before the voice lessons, by the way. Mm -hmm. I'm just jumping back and forth here. So oh, I love here. it though. <laughs> <laughs> so he actually, you know, like really inspired me to sing. And he was like, you have to do it. And I, you know, being a drama queen that I am, I just like, no, I can't do it. So I just went home. But I have this other side of my life that I can't be a drama queen. And that's my mom. My yes. mom will just be like, I bought you the dress. I bought you the boots. The hair is done. You're getting on stage. I'm like, no. Okay. She's like, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that. I always, I love that. I love that she never let me be like that. You know, like, like so spoiled. She was like, excuse me. <laughs> like, no, I paid for everything. Suck it up and go and sing. Get on stage. What are, what are you crying about? <laughs> You're 13. You know, she's like, girl, you don't know. So I love that. She was always, you know, always bringing me back down to earth. And, and I sang and it was the most. I can't explain that first step I took on stage because I remember it like it was the most miraculous movie thing ever. This is Hollywood stuff you can't make up, you know? I like yes. stepped on that stage and I connected in a way that the entire crowd was going insane. And here's me have had, I had had the worst rehearsals the entire week and everybody, all the other contestants were making fun of me. So I was really like cooped up into feeling mm -hmm. that I couldn't do it. And then finally, when this happens and like there's like standing ovations, I'm like, wow, like I did that. I, I could, wow, we, this is really cool. More than that, we connected. Yes. The audience and I connected. I and the audience. Like it felt like this one thing. And that is how I got hooked into music. <laughs> so years later, studied communications. Parents were not so cool about, they were like, oh, so you, now you really want to do music? Are you sure? And I was like, yeah. So um, I ended up auditioning to Berkeley because an aunt heard on the phone that there was an, some American college doing uh, their first time auditions in Bogota and I should audition. And I was like, bah. but I did. And, and I passed and somehow I was offered to come and I, and that was, that is still a mystery to this day. I auditioned with an original song and here I am in New York, eight years later. I don't think it's a mystery though, I because they saw something in you, right? And they saw something, I believe from what the audience first saw you when you were 12, 13, right? And that you connected with them. Yeah. I imagine that like they saw that, that talent, that light, and they're like, we need her here. So, you know, <laughs> no, and, I, and I, I believe so. So doing that move to Boston, share with me, how were, what were the emotions like? What were the feelings, the lessons that, you know, obviously, you know, you, you were telling us that you were in Colombia in your little town, but then you went to, you know, really experience, you know, through communications, being in Colombia and experiment, like really living in the country, but then deciding to 
doing that in another country. Were you accompanied by your mom, your dad when you were alone? So, you know, as a young woman living through this, learning your craft, like how, how was it? How, like, you know, how was that a journey? This is horrible. I cried the entire plane ride. Now, listeners are going to think I'm like just such a crybaby, but like, no, guys, this is, you have to get like what this was. I was, I left a lot and Mm -hmm. I never wanted to leave Colombia, but I felt like Colombia wasn't offering what I needed at the time. Mm -hmm. And I took courses in other colleges. I tried to go into university for music there as well, but it just wasn't clicking for me. And I couldn't, you know, the rhythm and what, what I saw the courses were offering was like, this isn't what I want to learn. Mm -hmm. and I just didn't even know where to go I honestly took the Berkeley thing because I just didn't know what else to do at that point and it was kind of like deciding to jump and not knowing where the you were gonna land yeah so (laughs) for me that was why I was crying the entire Mm -hmm. plane ride personally I had left a boyfriend you know Mm -hmm. that I was super in love with four years and I was like oh my god I left him Jesus what did I do you know, I was, I left my band, uh, my family, who I was so close to, and who were backing me through this entire thing. And it was like a lot of pressure to prove a lot of stuff that I didn't even know I was going to be able no. to prove, you know, it could have all just blown up in my face completely. And I don't know, it just really showed me that I had a lot more garra, mm-hmm. uh, explaining that a lot more claw than I knew I had. And that I had a lot of strength, literally, uh, to do, to, to sustain, to, to go through things that were really, really hard. And wow, that just like, when I think of those first years, I don't think I remember a month where I never thought, I think I should go back. I thought about it a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when things were like out of control or where I felt like maybe, maybe this isn't it. You know, there was a lot of doubt, but there's always that little light, that one that came from when I was 13, mm-hmm. the one that accompanied me to Medellin, that one that's like always been there. Even when I auditioned, that light was like always there. And it's like, no, girl, you're good. It's going to be okay. And I've been trying to listen more to that. And that's how I came to write Alborotá, actually, because I stopped the complaining and I just decided to start being more in connection with my instincts and with my purpose, whatever that is. I mean, that could be so many things. And let's not even get into purpose, okay? But (laughs) purpose and success are, don't worry about it, everyone. It's okay. You can make it up. So anyway, the point is, it it really got me into connection with what that was for me and and to answer the really hard questions, you know, Mm -hmm. stay, come, go back. Uh, finish school, apply here, apply there. And the answer was always one day at a time. You know, just one day at a time. And one day at a time, I've been able to kind of build, construct my life Mm -hmm. to what it is today. I live in the Bronx, New York, uh, with the person I love, um, who's also my producer, and and who has a a 15-year-old kid, which is such a tough thing to do. I'm 20. uh, Girl, I'm 30. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were actually about to say 29. I mean, you do look 29. I thought you were you were in your 20s, but no one has to know. I'm 30 and and 
it kind of I if I even tell you last year was so intense but I didn't even get to celebrate my birthday last year so that's why in my head I haven't like turned it yet but right I feel so, like this year is like we can forget it and we're like a year younger everybody should yes everybody should be blocked <laughs> so, so the the whole thing with with um really following your gut mm-hmm. and 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 going further than you can think you are I don't know if it was a question of dancing or music it was kind of a question of being yes and doing and 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 really being present in those moments and and that's how that came to happen because I've asked myself how did I not end up being a dancer mm-hmm. it was because the small steps have taken me to this part it's not because I didn't want to be a dancer I, I still in my heart want to be a dancer like professionally like I dream about being a ballerina every so often but I think it's more than being a ballerina I think it's this deep sense of expression and connection and having these messages that I feel are important to to keep um, saying writing about things that have been coming since I was you know so-and-so age so yeah I don't know I think I totally deviated from your question no I love it you (laughs) the lesson here was like not going not trying to run when you're just enjoying the journey of one step at a time and really following that gut I feel like a lot of us we're so focused on the end goal that we want to run right and we don't enjoy what we're learning in the present the people that we're surrounded with and the lessons that they're going to give us so when we're ready for that new opportunity we can really take advantage of it right yeah embrace it and I just love that because when I was 20 something I wasn't like what I am today. I wanted to run. I wanted the future now. Now I'm looking back. I'm like, no, I should have enjoyed my time in Mexico City with my family. You know, now that I'm not there, now I'm enjoying this, this the journey of one step at a time. And Alea, you mentioned that you had to leave your love. You had to leave your band. You had to leave so many people. And like, yes, with that pressure of demonstrating everyone and yourself that, you know, you were going to make this happen, your dreams happen and really become an artist. And I feel like you've demonstrated that, you know, like last year, Spotify included you in the list of Las Colombianas. And like that, I feel like that's a great recognition of like, you are on the right path. And you years later found your, your current love, right? And you are writing the music that you want. Also, you mentioned something really important about your grandmother and your your dad and your family. The values that they have, they're like close to their heart. And I feel like when you mentioned earlier in this conversation that you as an artist have the values of not selling yourself out or in the sense of like not taking the easy route and just sticking to your, yeah, your, to your gut and your passion and what your music needs. Tell me, I want to learn more about that process of you coming to that decision because I feel in a way it's like the one step at a time journey since the beginning has it always been like that as an artist or were you kind of you know in your head going back and forth and then deciding like no um, I'm gonna stick to what I am passionate about and not going the commercial route of it I think that there is never a one way Mm -hmm. when you as a human being yeah (laughs) right we we go back and forth in, in our thoughts and, and in our paths and and that's okay. Yeah. I feel like it's totally okay to 
to have an amazing day on Friday and a shitty day on Saturday, you know, and which is, I'm actually talking about real life right now. So, <laughs> so like, how, how can things, how do you, how do we get to these places mm-hmm. is actually how I made that decision. And it's, and it's not because China, I'm trying to explain this in a way that, that because it, I don't, it's not because I was illuminated by anything. It was honestly a mix of what I was taught about not taking the easy route. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a value from my, from my house. El, el flojo trabajadoble, you know, all these sayings that we always yeah. say, <laughs> right? You know, if you lack here, you're going to end up working twice there and whatever. So, and also, you know, that pressure of, of doing things the right way. Now, I don't condemn absolutely mm-hmm. any path. There is also a way to do things in a way that's easy and that's a formula and that's proven to make much more money mm-hmm. than the one that I'm making. But I cannot explain in like, you know, why we say in palabras cristianas, in Christian way, like what, <laughs> why would I take that decision? For me, it's a thing of how I grew up and, mm-hmm. and what my values are, what success, what I define success to be. Um, and a long um, while ago, I think I made several decisions when I was very, uh, very, I was a, a pretty wise little kid, you know, for being so young. Now I'm amazed. Now I'm like, I wish I had more of that. <laughs> Come back to my 30s, please. <laughs> you know, I would say things like, and I would write these down. Um, I've been writing diaries since I know about writing. I always have something to write on. So I could actually look these up. Or I would write things like, I will never feel regret. And things like, you know, do it right once. Mm-hmm. And it's because for me, those teachings or lessons have, it's been like, I, don't, I haven't needed to tattoo them anywhere physically because they're like ingrained in, in who I am and in what I value about, about myself. And whenever I've come to the toughest places or to make decisions that are far beyond anything that I've ever thought I've had to make, then suddenly these things come back and, and, and I remember this is who you are. So that is what I've um, held on mm-hmm. in, in the toughest of situations. My music is a reflection of that. And, and there's just not more, much more that I, that I could really dig into. But to, because I'm still digging into yes. whatever I'm going to be. I don't know yet. But, I'm t- but I did learn that one day at a time is the key. Because love is something that I can't explain. I can't tell you that it's about, you know, finding the love of your life. It's not. I think it's about growing in love and being in love with who you are and what the present can be for you. If you can get to a place where love represents how you act, how you react, right? If that's the initial part, that initial fire, that ignition that really gets you to put on the mic, to record yourself, even if you're scared of hearing your own voice, to writing down those lyrics, even though they don't make sense at the time, but working on them again and again, and you know, trying to add chords even though you can't play the keyboard, it that is far more honest than having all the skill. Because having all the skills or having, you know, crazy talent cannot guarantee that you're gonna connect with people. Mm-hmm. The most amazing artists or at least the most amazing musicians, technical musicians that I know, are the people that are most disconnected because I feel like they've honed their art in such a way that 
they've forgotten what the purpose of that was. And this is where soul comes in. Okay. If you have watched soul, <laughs> the Disney yes. movie, <laughs> I love quoting this because, oh God, I loved how they got into it with jazz. I am a jazz musician. I study jazz. I love it, but I hate it. I hate the toxic culture around it. And I hate the the things that, that I've had to witness in, in this culture. So, mm-hmm. and I don't mean the, like the beauty of jazz. I mean, like how people yes. connect around it. Like there's this other stuff there, but we'll unpack that later. The point is, it, I feel like, if you're going to be making music and if you're really going to push forward in your art, if you're from India, if you're from Australia, if you're from Colombia, from Austria, for whatever, there has to be something about it that is actually authentic and honest. And what is authentic? You know, what is being genuine? Mm-hmm. These are words that nobody can explain to me. And I ask myself what that means a lot because that is the only thing that I feel like I can give. I feel like what I give is authentic and genuine, but I can't explain what that is for you. Because that is only what it means for me. Yes. You see what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, it's something that is honest. It comes from that ignition. It comes from that uh, place of, of um, like, this very pure area. But it's not, you know, untouched by the world. Okay? It, it's it's influenced yeah. by, by who you've been, where you've walked. It's influenced by the people you talk to, by, you know, by this conversation we're having today. And I might finish a song because I'm feeling inspired right now. So that's cool. You know, it's like, it's one of those things that it happens because these connections are possible. And that music for me became a medium that was more important than, than anything. And I think that that's what makes me an artist, not because I get on stage, not because I write songs, not because of, but because of what it inspires me to do. Mm-hmm. And that is that it can't be taught. Yes, I think is it something you're born with? It, it's something that it's in your spirit, I guess. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to go into if if you can learn it because when I when I say taught, I mean I can't teach it. You gotta kind of self learn it. You, see you gotta I mean? live it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's not like yeah. it's not like it's not learnable. Yeah. No. Of course, everything's learnable, but I can't teach it to you. Yes, is what I'm trying to say. I can yes. show you what I've done and how I've done some stuff, and 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 hopefully that'll inspire things in you. But it'll inspire something in you that is completely different, innate, beautiful, authentic. That is your authentic, mm-hmm. and I guess that's authentic. Yeah, and I feel like <laughs> from what you know, going into from what you're giving us right through your definition your feeling of authentic and being genuine is I think it goes back to you following your gut if it's not you know going well with your gut I feel like you wouldn't you wouldn't you know put it out there no definitely not definitely not um there's got to be a compromise there um between what you want to inspire Mm -hmm. what you actually are feeling and and who you are, I guess, in a in a broad sense of what all of that is. In music, there are many ways to go about it. You know, music, just like anything, can be a formula as well. It is very easy to put two and two together and make this thing. Like I just saw it like recently. I was actually assisting a writing camp and it's insane how these things happen. I was like in two days writing like hit music. Done. You know, out the oven. There you go. I hope it, you know, makes some money. Did it make me happy? It was cool. 
I valued it more for the connections and, mm -hmm. and for, you know, the moments of inspiration. Would I put my name behind them? Probably not. Because they don't represent what Alea represents. Yes. And that's just a whole other story of what Alea is. This is just something that that you feel that you can go through your entire life doing. I guess what I'm trying to say is, what do you back? You know? Mm -hmm. will, you, will you put your name there? It, does that represent who you are? Yes. Does it make you feel proud? Does it make you, you know, be able to say, oh, yo meto las manos al fuego. I, I put my hands in the fire for this, you know? Yes. If that is something, then then that's that's it. That's you. That's that's your art. That's that's what you're going for. If not, then you know, it's okay. I mean, do it, but just don't put your name there. <laughs> just saying, make some money. It's okay, but but don't expect it to connect a, mm -hmm. as in the same amount. We humans are a little bit weird in that sense. We have our very intense predictions. You know, we have algorithms that predict exactly how we think, mm -hmm. what we like what we search for, what we buy frequently and infrequently, what our days are going to be like according to the weather, our moods, you know, everything. They Everything is predicted. What we do, or, you know, Valentine's Day this year because of the pandemic, then people aren't really, you know, they're not really publishing, you know, getting together. They're publishing staying at home and selling you things to be at home and all of that stuff. And we are so predictable that we're going to go and buy it because we need it. We're, yes. we're, we're needy. We want things. We want to feel these voids. We want to, you know, go deeper into, I don't know, whatever this pandemic means in our lives or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the point of, of all of that is that we can also go the other way completely and not want that yes. and go rogue mm -hmm. <laughs> and decide that that's not the way we want to do it. And it's a decision. And... I guess from someone who lives and works in the ad world, that's a cool thing too. At the end of the day, we do have a decision to what we listen to, what we connect to, and what really inspires us. Even if the algorithm guessed 10 times what I was going to do, that one time it didn't guess, those are for me. Yes. And those fans and really cool people that listen to my music because, you know, there are those 1% out there that listen to random things is because we're looking for something bigger, not predicted. I ranted. <laughs> no, I love it. It's, I love it. It's, it's, I love that because we, we're going deeper into this and something that I appreciate in our conversations when we, you know, go deeper into who you are and then just your way of thinking, which I always appreciate, you know, you being so open with me today. That's what I love about doing it, yes, you know? And this is where I, como estamos siendo, pongo mis manos al fuego, and I put my name behind this. Like, yeah. you know, I, I get it. And you said something that was like, boing, like really like interested me. Okay, I wanna know like, who really is Alea? Because you were saying that, you know, Alea is your own type of artist who also loves, and I, I want to make it into, I want to go back into that soul and about, because I also saw it and I was like, I was having a crisis <laughs> during that day. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> As I everyone. I cried. Yes. Like an hour after. I was like, oh my God, my God. So it's okay. <laughs> 
And I want to go deeper into that, you know, who, how did you choose Alain to be the artist that she is, you are today and, and really, you know, pulling these sounds that you love and these genres and creating the sound that Alea gives to the world and, and, and to me. I think I wanted como, como un amuleto. Mm -hmm. Like a um, lucky charm. Yeah. Lucky charm. I, yeah. An object or a name, something that represented mm -hmm. exactly that. And that, that gave me strength. That was like a, a representation of who I was, who I am, who I want to be. And all those things together, you know, is this persona that comes on stage and is resilient and is strong and is vulnerable and, and is, you know, in love with life and is completely transparent. What is on stage is what you get. But that I can also leave when I need to. Mm -hmm just be Maria Alejandra and do my thing because as an artist um, I felt that trying to go really deep into these connections and, and to all these things you can really lose yourself in, mm -hmm. in these moments and then when I mean lose yourself is the emotions can get so much and they are very very um, overwhelming and it's kind of a way to be able to do your music but step away from it for a second and be like okay I mean, you just want to go eat ice cream today. Let's go do that. <laughs> you know, because this is all really yes. intense talk. Like we've been talking about some really deep stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of my strategy with myself, you know, to be able to box all of that into Alea. And mm -hmm. then at the same time be like, oh, okay. Time to go do something completely different today. Different. Yes. Right? Not in a way of running, but I guess to give myself a chance to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Because I'm very sentimental. Oh my God. My mom, when I was growing up, she was like, oh my God, Maria Alejandra, you cannot be this sensitive. <laughs> she was literally, she would say stuff like that to me. I was like 10 and crying. And she'd be like, girl, seriously, why? And I was like, they were making fun of me. Mom, she'd be like, okay, you know, but did you like kick him back or something? What'd you do? And I was like, no, because I didn't want to kick him. She's like, no, next time you kick him. <laughs> Man, my mom. Um, and it was, it's funny because I couldn't separate my feelings from my being, from my everyday mm -hmm. thing and from, you know, working. And I guess if, if I wanted to be serious about it, I wanted to call it something. And, and that's how Alea came to be. Now, you're going to laugh. It came in a very interesting way. It wasn't like, oh, I just got, you know, like highlighted one day and like, oh, Alea came to me. It was like, no, <laughs> I, did, I think I'd been searching for something like this for years now. There's, got, there's something you got to know about me. Now, this is the sensitive artist, blah, 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 but I'm also super cynical on my other side. And I'm also completely entrepreneur, like on my other, like I'm very, I can be very cold and like completely, you know, to the point. Now, these two sides co-live. I'm a Libra. It just happens. It's part of me. I <laughs> learned to accept it. <laughs> I can be in both places and it's okay. But um, for all of that, for that balance to happen, it's taken a lot a lot of deconstructing, a lot of letting go, a lot of shedding. And um, I had to kind of get to Boston, live stupid, completely, you know, crazy situations to, to, to get into a place where I found this name. Now, I was dating a guy, French, for those who know me and are listening. <laughs> <laughs> anyway there was a lot that was going on in this relationship that was toxic and that wasn't okay you know 
and um, that I allowed things to happen that weren't okay, you know, abuse and um, things that mentally, physically were not okay. And um, I kept, you know, we all go through this once in a life, you know, where you're just going back and forth into this thing. And, and it's just really... Mm, Te está acabando por dentro. Mm -hmm. you know? It's like just, it's really just little by little kind of dimming you. And one day I just bought a plane ticket. No, I actually, wait, the story is I bought two plane tickets because he was so kind of to come with me. Okay. And then he acted like a jerk. And then I left by myself. So that was me being brave. Yes. <laughs> so um, I left and I ended up staying at a friend's house in Florida. And a lot of these thinking, and then, of course, he calls to say he's sorry. There's, you know, that oh, this is always going to happen. <laughs> oh, you listening out there, always going to call, say they're sorry. Jesus. Why? No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. They're not. Okay? So, they're sorry, blah, blah, blah. And he starts telling me this story. And he's trying to be super slick here and tell me the story about this girl that comes from this other place. Blah, blah. And he's basically trying to narrate my story in a very cosmical way. Mm -hmm. And... This is the cynical part. See, I love it. And then, and he gets, you know, to this story, and then, and then he ends the story with her name is Alea. Everything else that he talked about, I was like, okay, fine. Yeah. But Alea, I was But, like, why did you say Alea? And he's like, oh, isn't that what your mom calls you? And I just started cracking up. This is how ridiculous the entire thing could be. It's this person who has hurt you in multiple ways, right? Is telling again to get back together with him mm -hmm. okay fine and then he's telling you all this bullshit story blah, 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 blah. and then he says this one thing that's supposed to be super profound and in connection to who you are because he gets you know he's very smart like that you know he's gonna try to call me what my mom calls me well guess what guy french so he can't pronounce the j my mom calls me aleja okay <laughs> and he couldn't do it no he couldn't even do that right <laughs> i loved it And I hung up the phone, whatever. But I loved the name Alea. Like it just kept sounding. Something about those four letters just really stuck. And I kept thinking about it. And then I started researching what it meant in Hebrew, in Swahili. And it, in, um, it's also the beginning of a lot of things. So it's elevation. It's um, aleatorio. You know, it's, it comes from yes. things that... Um, you know, are random coincide. There's a lot of meaning behind Alea. And it's actually a really popular name in the other side of the world. And that's basically how that came to be. I so, chose it. And I love that story because it's, it's beautiful so and pathetic, cool. but I love it. No, I love it. And I think it's so real because that happens, you know, we're in the moment of uh, bravery, you know, oh, we leave and then a the moment of weakness. And then something golden happens right it's like and then you make it yours it's you take ownership of that I, I, don't get about it I, I went back with him yeah when I get back <laughs> and it took me about another two years to stop being an idiot I'm like for everyone out there this is real this is <laughs> this real is story it took me about two years to finally leave Boston and get to New York and understand that that wasn't worth my time And that um, I was worth so much more. 
that story, along with a few others of abusive people, men specifically, as a woman in the music industry where you are completely objectified. Yes, if we're mm -hmm. objectified and everything else in music, we are objectified, okay? This is a stand there and look pretty kind of a situation. Mm -hmm. you, know? you just do what you got to do. You just stand there and sing and look pretty. You're good, you know, kind of a stuff. So breaking out of all those molds and and kind of forgiving myself for all the situations I kind of allowed. And I'm saying allowed because it's not that I didn't have, it's not that I couldn't do anything about it, but I didn't know what to do about it at mm -hmm. the time. Now, oh my God, now I've got some, you know, some, you know how you, you te haces discursos en la cabeza when you meet that person again? Yes. I got a bunch of those up there. I'm like, when I see you again. <laughs> oh, you'll get a mouthful from me. Yeah, you're going to get a mouthful. This is what's going to happen next time. But, you know, next time's not going to happen. Yeah. But that strength that you developed that like that new found um word about about those words that now you know define this part of you and that won't let they're like a, an escudo you know they really mm -hmm. they're this barrier and now you know um they really defined alea and and who i was going to be in my music it was like okay I absolutely adore all of this, but I do not like this part about me where I permit and allow these people to step over me or to do these things or to abuse physically, emotionally, uh, professionally. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was such a, an amount of situations at the moment that I kind of broke into this moment. And I was being very hard on myself, you know, like, how did I let all this happen? And, Wow, you know, this other guy and this other director completely humiliated me and this other thing happened and this blah, blah, blah and this other guy um, completely, you know, like almost did. Thank God I ran, you know, whatever. Yeah. All these things. And I was being so hard, like crying. Again. Oh, my God, why did I do this? And then this part of me and my mom comes. I mean, she didn't really, but like in my head. And I was like, girl, why are you crying? <laughs> You know, like, Your mom came okay. back. <laughs> mom came back just like in her present persona. Um, and 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 I remembered this word that I was called when I was little. And I remembered how much I hated being called that word because everybody did it. My grandmother, my mom, uh, my sisters. Ay, Maria, si es alborotada. Ay, niña, tú si eres alborotada. You know, like everybody would say it. And I was just being me. I was just being free. I was yeah. just being expressive, you know. And making choices about pink or red or purple or black or anything. And, and apparently my choices were too much for everybody. And, and I kept kind of trying to not be so much unless I was on stage. Mm -hmm. And then that got me thinking, wait, why am I like trying to only be a Leia on stage? Like what is, what is, what is happening with who I am and why have I allowed so many people to decide or to make me question myself about my decisions. I think I'm done. So I started writing a verse. And it was actually that first verse of Alborotá. And it goes like, Y me decían Alborotá, pero Alborotá es el que yo propongo, que se pongan pilas, mis compadres que vinimos a sonar, a levantar la voz es que callan los golpes, y al prejuicio mi mujer es la mirada alzar, que somos más, que mi color no te asuste, que tanto sabor no te abrume, caderona mulata hecha fuego lento, en el desierto satisfecho está la libertad, pa'. 
y guerra es la que voy a dar. Alborota, alborota, alborota. It's rare when I can say that I've written a song from top to bottom like that. Mm -hmm. And that was because I was so angry. Thankfully, expression <laughs> through music <laughs> has really allowed all these emotions to flourish in a you know positive and productive productive way but to give more you know like alborota was my own way of saying i am not an alborota how you say i'm an alborota how i say and alborota means this for me it means being independent it means being resilient yes i am rowdy but because i have a voice and i want to use it so all of that has a purpose and that is all alea so i cannot not be that and if y'all have a problem with that thank god new york is huge yes <laughs> and we're in the pandemic so and we're independent and i make my money so <laughs> bye <laughs> and this whole attitude that had always lived in me but i was always kind of toning down decided to stop being unapologetic i decided to you know incomodar mm -hmm. i decided that i needed to take up my space And I need to say what I said. I decided to not be like all nice in interviews, you know, because I would get interviewed by like men and be like, oh, you know, but you're like a feminist and like all they ask me all these things. And I'm like, yeah. And they'd be like, yeah, you know, but that's like kind of your problem, you know, because women, blah, 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 you know, oh, believe me, you get interviewed in, in Colombia. You get, you get, you get some questions, but I've been, you know, I've learned to be such a diplomat. I love it. I'm like, yeah, you know, and guess what? It involves you too, because I'm assuming, you know, this argument, I love this argument because everybody uses it. And at some point I wished it wasn't the same argument, but it's like, because your mom, right? And your sister, and I'm assuming you have a daughter at this point, right? So all of them right now are being a cost. What are you going to do about it? So it doesn't involve you. So this is, this is something where I've learned to use my voice to speak about, about things that I didn't even know I could speak about before. Mm -hmm getting into even more deep i discovered i was a feminist and discovered i mean i've always been a feminist but i was really scared of that word because te inculcan a pensar que ser feminista es malo they sí. you know they 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 really make you think that being a feminist is bad or you know whatever punk was bad too right i love punk so oh, no. <laughs> so That all changed for me when I started dim 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 desmitificando. Ooh, English and Spanish just like cross. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, demystifying all these words that were, I started like, you know, putting my brain out and being like, okay, you know, laying it flat. Feminist is not bad. Let's put it back here. <laughs> Alborota is not bad. Okay. Incomodar. That's actually a good thing. <laughs> like, put it back. And actually, uh, you know, checking things off. My light, my light should be broad. Let's listen more to this. And one thing at a time. So I started adding to those values, those that I wrote when I was little. I started mm -hmm. adding more stuff. And that has been more important than the music. And this is why. Because you should be prepared for your art. You should hone your skills. Study. You know, be disciplined. Be intense. Be obsessive. But don't go about it without knowing who you are. Don't go about it without knowing you can back all of that with something that makes 
sense, you know, with, with something that's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. Because if not, you know, then what is the point of anything? Exactly. Wow. I, I love this. I love this because you, I love the how you're like, okay, I'm, you're, you're basically, you know, two women here, right? And then you, you're saying, I can go to the stage and bring all of this and be Alea. And then when I need to be ready and desprenderme de, de ella, I can go back. Alea also needs a manager. And Alea, yes. <laughs> but Alea's really cute, but Alea can handle money. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And, but I love that you were taking the just great characteristics of who Alea is. And you decided to take ownership that into your own life. And was it also helpful you, I, I, from what you're saying, yes, I, I guess um, leaving, physically leaving Boston and going to New York City, I think that was also a great, like, that was a push, right? The necessary push for you to like really take ownership of that and just be who you are and then be unapologetically yourself and incomodar. I think Boston was a very romantic idea of music and I loved it. You know, mm-hmm. Berkeley should keep doing what they're doing. They're an incredible school and they really they really put um, you know, their money where their mouth is. They really mm-hmm. have you know that that I could say that they back and it's beautiful. There's some amazing people. There is an amazing community there. But it's great when you're 17 and 18 and 19. Um, by then I was already like 25 and I was like done. <laughs> I was like the real world out there yes. isn't like Boston. And what I mean by that, not Boston, the city, I mean, Boston, Berkeley, because yes. it feels like it's one thing <laughs> when you're a student there. Um, Boston is an amazing place. And I have so many people that I love the communities, the Colombian communities, the Latin communities. Um, one of my best friends, you know, I met her there. Uh, Elisa, she actually directed Echale Sal. Um, and she was my first roommate, picked me up at the airport with like, three huge bags, like, oh my God, what did I just do? But Boston was, reminded me too much of my hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, there was too much of, of, of cuddling and babying, and there was a lot of um, protection. And you can, you can live with that, but it gave me the same feeling of, I need to get out of here from the first one. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Like mm-hmm. there is something that I don't know, right? About this. Also, there wasn't enough gigging and performing and, you know, that's what I wanted to keep um working on. So, I ended up moving to New York, not extremely excited. I was really scared of New York. Like I came to New York to gig because I started working with Folklore Urban Orchestra and they were incredible. It was amazing. I would come here like it started being like once every two months and then it started being like every month and then every week. So at some point it stopped making sense to keep paying rent in Boston, <laughs> you know, and, and not be here. But I had to uh, finish my lease and my graduation was in May. Um, so I wanted to be there for it. So I ended up staying an extra six months after I finished, well, five months after I finished um, school um, in, in, in Boston. And during that time, I got to live Boston without being a student kind of you know Mm -hmm. so that really showed me what was going on there and it really kind of pushed me to look and to not fear new york in a way and then i ended up getting here 
and having nothing. Una mano adelante y otra atrás, como decimos, literal, owing my first rent. <laughs> like, <laughs> how the hell was that going to happen? Uh, well, I got a job at a coffee shop across the street. I looked for babysitting jobs. I connected with every human I knew here and was like, I'm in New York. Here are my resumes. Somebody, get me a job. I'm just kidding. But it was very, it was, I, was, I was very, um, there was a lot of strength in me to like yes. figure it out. Um, also because, well, I had a year or less than a year, actually, I had, I can't remember, but I had like, because you have to do the OPT thing after you do study mm -hmm. as an international student. And anyway, it ended up all working out, but New York threw me in situations that were hard, but there was always this growth. Mm -hmm. It was like doing three masters. It was like, like, I feel like New York was doing Berkeley five times because there there was an amount of um, realness that you cannot find under all your teachers, you know, and being all nice and cuddled there. Here it was, you know, if someone wants to charge you or if you if they told you that you, they were going to pay you 500, but they ended up paying you 100, how are you about to go to that situation? <sighs> and how are you going to deal with um, everybody so that you don't get end up kicked out of the place or whatever or you know situations that are really um intense and then at the same time beautiful like finding an entire community of crazy inspiring um people that want to do exactly that i found a bunch of alborotados all in one place it was amazing everybody wanted to be their own thing and i loved it it was like no people were just not scared of anyone they just wanted to be free free-spirited now of course there's there's a lot of hypocriticalness around all of that you know there's there's new yorkers that are not like that or they, they pretend to be or whatever but i found really good ones mm -hmm. and that really inspired my journey finding other amazing latinx artists in this town that um right now i like admire deeply and are some of my best friends that i go to and that um you know we found how to support each other in such a hostile but at the same time bright place yeah. is new york is a contrast is completely a contrast and it just fit i think me too and it's weird because i love it and i also hate it you know it's you have to if you're a new yorker i guess it's kind of part of the the deal <laughs> <laughs> of living to there. love it hate it but i've found that and i've really found that um here the exposure to culture To, you know that when people, you know, they teach you about being tolerant and yeah. respectful, it doesn't get as real as when you get to New York. Um, I've, I learned that growing up, but mm -hmm. I mean, can you do it with someone who doesn't believe the same thing and is actually riding the train with you? You know, can yeah. you do it with the person you are about to work with in the restaurant and, you know, has these completely different things than you? it really doesn't get as material as 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 material as that and that's what i loved about new york it really puts you behind your word of who you are it takes out the worst in people and it takes out the best yes yeah Damn. that was some realness there i'm just like yes. impressed about what i'm just saying right now because it's like wow i'm like <laughs> I new york. i'm like saying in my head i'm like Oh, iconic love this yes this is like i love i want it like this or this right here like i i am in love like just knowing that you were able to connect and find these people who are now your friends and like part of your life and like 
in the past five years, you were able, I guess because you were surrounded by another alborotados and like just being unafraid of being, you know, yourself and themselves. Like you've seen, have you seen that? Like, like, like looking back or like, I've been with surrounded by the right people, the right friends, just being myself and like owning who you are and just seeing those experiences of being with other singers and artists and being recognized by your work and just saying like again one step at a time but also like seeing all that work all that love that you put into it like it's it happened right like do you really now during yeah this quarantine you see it you know what I grew up being such an awkward kid that like I grew up being made fun of because my hair um was curly being in an afro-indigenous country mm-hmm. where people do not accept their afro-indigenous though yes i mean just a whole conversation there but i'm just remembering growing up and feeling so awkward in so many places at school you know in the classroom then in medellin in medellin i would get made fun of in the street for my hair um i never felt beautiful like like people feel like I felt beautiful. I was like, because I'm, yes, because I'm like I'm beautiful. Who cares? You know, like all that. But no, I didn't feel like you know, revista kind. You know, I didn't feel like I'm, I was a magazine. No, nah, never. I I always felt awkward, and I kind of honed it. I did. I loved my punkness. I loved that it was part of my rebellious part not to be beautiful like that. And I and I just decided to you know do with what I got. You know what cards I was given. That's what I was playing, and mm-hmm. that was beautiful. But when I came to New York, I found so many other awkward, cool people that didn't have any explaining to do, didn't care about what you were thinking of them. And and that kind of changed um, my own perspective of what I was fighting for as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, what I'm trying to say is, I think growing up like that and then going to Boston and, and all of that, you kind of just, you're just so used to it that when you, when I got to New York, I didn't have to be like that. I didn't have to be guarded. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to not look because they were looking. I didn't have to, you know, um, I mean, of course you do, but I mean, with your people, there was another level of freedom that just really changed even what I was writing about, because I think I, I finally was able to take the attention of these other things and kind of realized also, oh, wait, but that was not right. I didn't know. Oh, I grew up like that. Oh, wait. Oh, I was awkward. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I kind of yeah. started giving more attention to another a whole nother topic. And, and that that really made it for me. I think I'm I'm just really grateful to, to like all of that. Because today, yeah, I am a bit of all that collection that yes. that I'm trying to portray or trying or making or being, but it, it's bigger than than yourself, and that's beautiful. The fact that you're not beautiful like that, you're not represented like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, you know, I want to be an artist, which is this was my conversation with myself when I was like ten or twelve. I was like, oh, I want really want to sing, but like not like that. You know, mm-hmm. I would see like. Um, contests like American Idol, you know, and I'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, I love that. You know, I love the being on stage. I love the performance, but I didn't want that. See what I'm saying? You know, yeah. the that mainstream, intense, 
I love the glitter, but just, I don't know how to explain it. Like there was this whole- It, it didn't connect stuff. with you. It wasn't with your gut, right? Yeah. It wasn't tied to that. Yeah. I, yeah. I just didn't want to participate in like uh, contests and all these things. Like I, I think I did it like once or twice and there was a lot of pressure there and it was that, that was it for me. But that really proved that part of doing things differently. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess just having those real honest conversations with yourself. What do you want? I guess. Does that make sense? Do you feel represented in that? Do we even ask ourselves that? I don't know. But I didn't feel represented by like the media. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a question that I asked myself. Obviously, you know, my skin color is white. So, you know, living through some of what privileges and then going to Mexico, but I didn't see the what media is telling us. It's not being represented to us and to myself and to my family, which is, I think, why I also started a yes. And it's like, we as, a, as Latinas have so many different stories, backgrounds, upbringings, cultures, like we are so different from one another. And like, I really hope that with each conversation, a listener can feel that representation that like, yeah, that's me. That's, that's how I was growing up or that's where I'm going, you know? That's the whole point of, you know. I think that's what you're doing. I yeah. Mean, and the fact that you're giving voice and exposure to artists like myself, that that is huge. And not because, uh, you know, because it's funny because I I never grew up knowing I was of color. That's mm -hmm. interesting. Like, Until, I, I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. I came here. And now they're like, mm -hmm. so you're Hispanic, Afro, Indigenous? I was like, well, my social studies teacher told us that we were conquered and, you know. And, yeah. <laughs> It's very interesting to to come here and and kind of have to define yourself that way, and know yourself as a minority, and see where you're standing in a political um, yeah. stanza. You know, where are you standing? Mm -hmm. What's your area? How big is it? How much power do you have? <laughs> <laughs> yes, in this country, and yeah. um, and that really, that awareness, really makes you do things like right you know and mm -hmm. this amazing podcast and kind of know where where we're lacking mm -hmm. and where things have been for so long it's so boring it's time to you know give voice to others i think that it's not only diversifying the conversation i hate that but i love diversifying <laughs> the conversation because it gives us a place at the table you yeah. know it gives us a really honest chance um to strive at least to fight for it yeah and i like to think we don't, I don't know, personally, like, I don't want that table anymore. I want to create my own table, you know, with, with people that connect with me, that people who like share that. the same values as me, right? That who, it's like, we don't, I don't want your table anymore. Like, this is, I'm creating a table that I love and that I'm, you know, the women that are sitting here are so much better than the people that are, like, in sitting at that table that's, like, we were never invited we to so. our, our own our own world people we <laughs> yeah. out here creating our own world bye <laughs> bye i don't need your i love it listen what you're saying is super important it's a mix of, of feelings because you know the conversation around all lives matter and which of course is completely wrong but what i'm trying to yes. say about that is i understand where people suddenly feel excluded whether they've never been excluded before. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. People suddenly see that the light isn't shining on them as bright as it used to be. There's like something. To... 
they're like no I want the attention on me again the entire time what happened like wait you know I was like no like chill you'll be fine let's just move the conversation this way and that is something that has really um kind of affected how how we see ourselves Mm -hmm. because now we get to have more places like these where we're creating those tables and creating those spaces I think that's really bright I mean I don't know where it's gonna go now I've told you I'm a cynical on the other side so there's there's a lot of that there yes (laughs) let's talk about that I really so for our listeners um you know while we were emailing you you were telling i I'm also cynical. I get you. And you were sharing something like how, and I'm paraphrasing here, please correct me if I'm wrong. Like, I think the, our voices have come like this. It's become very triado, like, oh, like, you know, like uh, this lucky charm of like empowerment. Totem, like, the totem. <laughs> yeah, yes, 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 yes. And that's something that I'm like, I agree with. And I always, with every conversation, never guessed I try to avoid falling into you know of like and we're going back to that like word authentic genuine like but I do want to demonstrate who my guest is and where they're coming from and where they're going where they see themselves right so let's put cynicism here in this conversation and share with me your thoughts of like that unfortunate twist of like how our community has turned into this like totem of lucky charm or or whatever or like this form of like empowerment that really isn't there or isn't really backed up by people that feel it all good yeah I'm- I love I love that you bring it up um I think I was saying that it's interesting how when you're not interviewed by someone who's not Latin or, or brown or, mm-hmm. or black I think the conversation turns more into who you are as a culture and not about who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. I love my culture and I represent it, you know, with blood. Like I'm I'm very proud, not only of being Colombian, Latin American, Hispanic, everything. But it's also a situation where you can really be preyed on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for lack of better words. <laughs> You can really be preyed on for it. I think my first encounter with that was with that boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Because he was white as hell. And French. So it was... And entitled. And, yeah. and, then, and an asshole. <laughs> but all good. Um, but the reason why I bring it up is because he wasn't in love with me. He was in love with the idea mm-hmm. of me. A Latin, brown, different smelling, different aging, different looking person that he hadn't dated before. And there was this mystery around that. There was nothing mysterious about me. I was this girl who had just arrived from another place, you know, was really confused in a lot of areas. But there was no mystery real behind it. Now, this story that he had created really um i think blocked him from really getting to know me Mm -hmm. and um really i don't know whatever his vision is or whatever but that repeats itself in different situations like being at a job where you're the only brown person or Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know um knowing that 
everybody in the kitchens are going to be Latinos. Mm -hmm. And knowing that, like, it's cool because, like, I already know that. So whenever I get to, like, a show, I'm always like, hey, shout out to La Cocina, you know, stuff like that. Because they're, like, the best. And I'm like, esta ranchera va para mi gente. <laughs> because, because we are in the dark in a mm -hmm. lot of areas. But now it's become really cool to talk about us in a way that is going to be uncomfortable for us for a while. And this is where my cynicism comes because I have to kind of be okay with this. I don't want to because it's not cool mm -hmm. that for I don't know how many years you've been ignoring me. You know, you've been not giving me my place. You've been doing it. And now all of a sudden you think we're good mm -hmm. and it's cool to do that. And I kind of have to be okay with it for a second just because I want more people to be given that space mm -hmm. and that's okay it implies you educating in a way that is not educating it implies you being a diplomat without being unreal it implies a lot of patience with people mm -hmm. because they're going to say stupid shit offensive stuff that they're not going to be able to take back i'm not saying i take it because i don't I call out whenever I need to call out. But honestly, it's not their 100% fault. I mean, and I mean all their fault. I mean, like, our friends now. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. They grew up here. It's what they know. It's what they were used to. It's what they were taught. All of that is understandable. So when I mean, you know, take a little bit of it, is also being understanding and empathetic to that. I don't like being a radical. I, I've never been like the kind of a person that is either, you know, white or black. For me, it's always a situation of where the story is and how can we make this work? Because I'm a pacifist in that way, but I'm not an idiot. So it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't allow you to abuse whatever space or moment of doubt I'm giving you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so here's, here's to a little bit of that. Being a totem implies that they want to include you in more festivals people want you to be in this other thing they want you to speak because finally there's two latinas speaking about feminism <laughs> no there's more there's like way more but what yeah. i mean is before there wasn't a space in the mainstream for it now it's a little bit cooler because it's like edgy you see yeah so it makes them look edgy and legit to have us there Thank God, I guess. But at the same time, that's not cool. Yeah, no. And I understand because you as an artist, you're oh, okay. Invite me because opportunities will come my way and more people will know your music. Right. And, yeah, but and also able to at some point recommend and open up spaces for others, which is exactly. what I try to do a lot. Yeah. Because it makes me feel less dirty. <laughs> and, and going back to, you know, our earlier comments of like, you know, building our own table, you know, Sometimes I, I know I said that and I'm not going to back on, on that, but like, I know it's also important to take ownership of the table that was before so we can invite more of us into that table and that yeah, space. Up a bit, you know, Maybe yeah. it's not going to be square anymore. <laughs> I'm completely breaking it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I get that. And, and I also get the, the frustration of how people when they're interviewing you or they're wanting to get to know you or invite you to a place 
because they look oh i'm being representative of blah 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 they don't know you on through an individual level and i think for me that's the most important thing knowing a person in an individual level and really learning where they come from and you know what makes them dumb and, and, and like take and then you know cry or like be passionate about what they do and but I love that you take it as it is but also do not accept bullshit and shit and you know you call it out you know it's when I started writing Alborota the album um and I was asked to like because you know you have to like make copies for it and actually like you know write a bio a story behind it there's all these things and I was choosing what to say about it mm -hmm. and the reason why I got to female representation latinx empowerment was because i accepted that i understood that i had a part to play in this mm -hmm. and you either go play your part and do it with all those values intact you know with you backing yourself up you know or you get out of the conversation and you know do something else but i decided to take part of the conversation even though Um, I didn't know what I was going to say completely, <laughs> but I decided to, 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 to do it, to be mm -hmm. there, to present myself, to, to stand there for now while others get to do it more in other places as well. And I think that that collective power is what's actually going to change for us things. You know, yes, people are finally understanding that all these people that represent like half of this country mm -hmm. that can't vote, you know, they have a lot of power and that's why they're getting more into the conversation. That's what they're accessing benefits. That's why they're finally opening up doors to this and that because all those people, a lot of them have kids who now have papers yes. vote and are changing the state of this country is amazing and beautiful and i love it but they didn't see it coming no yes esas semillitas they didn't see that coming and that was beautiful i love i love i love how this entire thing has kind of panned out in a yeah. way and and that is the reason why this album comes this music comes and all this message comes is because i see that and what is my place in that is my just gonna stay here and not talk about them Am I going to stay here and not talk about all the women that I know that have been abused, that have this have happened, about my grandmother and everything that she went through, about the silences, about... No, there's there are stories to tell. And there are stories that need to thrive in time so that others can hear them and hopefully create more. Mm -hmm. More. And then take up more space and do more. I think that's the only purpose of behind everything. The whole Latinx representation, the be a fem female feminist uh, representative or whatever is kind of taking ownership of, yes, that's who I am. Thank you for stating the obvious. <laughs> also because in our own countries, we don't have that. Yeah. We don't understand that. We've been so colonialized and so white and nice mm -hmm. that <laughs> I just totally made that word up. But like, but seriously, yes, that's we've yeah, been. So but in a, in a way that we don't think of ourselves as black or Latin mm -hmm. or indigenous or stuff, we completely shun our own indigenous communities. Mm -hmm. 
it's wrong. And we don't represent our women when they're raped. And we don't fight for them enough. So how can we, that are here in the United States, do our job by representing the people here mm -hmm. and then also making sure that the message gets there? Yes. Because there's a lot to change. There's a lot that needs to, that actually needs to be worked out right now. And to be part of that conversation here, there, and like everywhere. <laughs> But like, for real, it's, it's something that really keeps me up at night is how, how can I do more? Mm -hmm. Because when I was growing up, I didn't see that, you know, that's what I'm trying to say is yes. that I didn't, I didn't more than the singer that looked like me. It was the singer that acted like what I want to do. Yeah. I didn't see that, you know, that I didn't, I didn't get to see that like badass director that wrote, directed, produced, worked, you know, I didn't, I didn't see that growing up give or take, you know, I didn't see much growing up, but I'm trying to put it into perspective here. They weren't as out there. Now we're getting more spaces. Mm -hmm. So how can we not use the space to use our voice to represent others? It doesn't make sense. Doesn't we, do make, it. Yes. We, we have to. It's an obligation. I see it as a, not an obligation, but like a, like a push. Like, you know, we have to like, I feel this collective fire, Brenda, like for real. Like I was, somebody was telling me uh, a while ago, actually I was asked this at an interview <laughs> because now it's apparently, um, it's in to write about feminism, right? And to write songs about all these things. And, and it is, you know, there are people that are riding the wave and it's totally cool. There are people that are doing it collectively and completely simultaneously And completely spontaneously because they're feeling it mm -hmm. there is an honesty behind all this that is happening because it comes in waves you know feminist waves have come in different ways it comes it goes back down it comes goes back down bang the light get back down but this time something is different and not only do we have social media to back us and like all these new outlets to talk about who we are and what we're uh, telling but also because there are many different types of feminism mm -hmm. because feminism means whatever it means to you. Now, I don't want to undermine this because feminism is a, you know, is a study and this is a very real, legit, um, social, psychological, sociological, um, phenomenon. But because The majority of the people don't really know that. They're just discovering it, yeah. They're just discovering that this is something that speaks to them mm -hmm. from their kitchens, from their Netflix movies, from just, you know, researching online. And it's affecting how they speak, how they um, accept jobs how they say yes or no, mm -hmm. how they speak about consent. Like, I don't, consent? That's new. Damn, I, I didn't grow up. Nobody taught me about consent. I mean, my mom just said, kick him. <laughs> you know? <laughs> But consent? That's new. And that's changing our reality. Mm -hmm. And I think that all of that, huge part of all of that, is that there are more and more artists like you and I creating spaces, creating music, 
and not riding waves because it's cool, but because we have to. Mm-hmm. We feel this social connection, this fire that something is going to happen and is happening. It's happening, yes. Yeah. And not seeing that is just so blind. This is going to be called something yeah. in 2050. It's going to be called something, I'm telling you. <laughs> Alea, I love this. You know, you knowing that fire that pushes you forward and taking ownership of being unapologetically yourself. And it's been a journey, a journey of a one step at a time and shedding and being surrounded by people that love you, that support you, that want to see you grow, that have been part of your growth. You know, knowing what you know now, like, I'm remembering, you know, that little girl that you shared with me today of people make fun of your hair, of how you looked. What would you tell that little girl, Maria Alejandra, knowing what you know now and living through what you went through? What would you say? I would say just wipe out the tears. She's beautiful. She's got nothing to hide. Details can go whenever she's ready to. And it'll be at her time when she's ready. And I, I find myself really lucky to be able to say that I don't regret anything. Not even the bullying. Mm-hmm. Because even though it was external, um, I feel like all of that has really made me very strong very strong-willed. I have no idea who can I attest that to. I wish, I want to say it's my mom, my grandmothers. I attest it to like, I give it, I give it to, to every single woman that's been behind me because I feel like they deserve the credit. Hay una brujería ahí muy fuerte, yo no sé. Matriarcado, oh my gosh. Like, um... Muy fuerte, un matriarcado. You know, there's, there is a strength that I cannot just say, oh, you know, it's just because I was, you know, cool and stuff when I was a kid. No, I don't know. Maybe this girl already spoke to that one and said, it's all good. <laughs> you keep doing that. But um, I'm very lucky mm-hmm. and I'm very privileged to to say something like that today because I know so many others that didn't get that. And damn, that's what I'm fighting for, I guess. Yes. Thanks for those questions, Brenda. Thank you for this conversation. I loved it. I loved it. And I, I think I'm going to say, <laughs> like, this is, has been my longest conversation on it. Yes. And I love it. Like we went deep and I hope that my listeners, you know, they, I know them, like they, they're loving this and cause I'm loving this. And I just hate, like, I hate to end it, but like you're a busy woman and I want you to enjoy your Sunday it's all good it's all good i loved i love spending my sunday like this um believe me i don't do it for 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 every reporter uh media news outlet outlet out there um but when i i heard a yes for real like i was like yeah you and i (laughs) that's gonna happen (laughs) yes that you don't oh like oh my gosh like i that means so much That, that means so much because Every step I've been putting my love, my heart, my soul, my fire into this. And 
hearing you say that it shows it shows Randa, like for real it's everything that we've been talking about this whole purpose thing that's that's what it Mm -hmm. shows and that's what aas stands for for me it's an honor to to be part of that conversation like for real and for every other aya that's been uh on this incredible podcast this is one this is making history you know in 2050 you know when these conversations are gonna come back and they're gonna see you know what we weren't seeing you know when we were little they're gonna have alea for our listeners who want to follow you want to listen to your music want to grab a little cafecito and listen to aire guajiro where can they follow you where they can where can they listen Definitely. Um, to everyone out there listening, you can go follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Alealea Music. Spell that for you. A-L-E-A-L-E-A Music. And go check out my iTunes. Go check out my Spotify. Follow me, subscribe on YouTube. All that is super important and is mm-hmm. such a great way to support the artists you love. Not only because you get them out there and streams or whatever, but because it makes them understand that what they're doing means something to you. So take action. Go follow, hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Alea Music. And on Spotify, iTunes, just as Alea, you can find me with Alborota or with Aire Guajiro or with Echale Sal. Um, dig because there's a lot of aleas but don't yeah. worry there's only one like me <laughs> like you thank you so much and you know take a moment to listen to all my music i'm coming out with an album this year and uh, like in the spring this is a really huge goal for me um i haven't made this in a light way it hasn't been made like in a month it's been made over months and months of opening reopening closing doing and finding what the truth means um in this music So it's coming from the really most purest place in my heart. And it's coming for you free on Spotify. So go check it out soon. Subscribe so that you can be aware of when that happens, hopefully by April 2021. But I'll announce a date very soon. Awesome. And obviously we'll be here, you know, amplifying your album. Like now that we have a website, I'm like, let's let's grow this space and let's talk more about Ayesa's work and in your work and like you know for our listeners all of this will be in the show notes will be on the video on YouTube in the show notes so you have no excuse for not listening to Ayesa's music and supporting her and subscribe to Ayesa thank you yes thank you (laughs) (laughs) so you can continue this conversation by following us on Instagram at Ayesa the podcast that is E-L-L-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-S-A-
If you've been inspired by our conversations, then you'll want to visit our site. Head over to ellas-media.com for more inspiring content. You can also subscribe to our newsletter so you'll always be alerted when we publish empowering tips for you to continue paving your path in your business, project, career, and life. If you've been listening to AS for a while, you know that I'm a big supporter of providing a platform for Latinas to share their stories and inspire current and future generations of women. With that said, I'm looking to get this podcast into the lives of more amazing Latinas just like you. You can help by going to Apple Podcasts and write a review. Tell me what you think and leave any number of stars. It would mean the world to me. Thank you in advance. AS is produced hosted and audio edited by me, Brenda Hernandez Jaimes. Our video conversations are edited by Javier Ortiz Ruiz. Our logo and podcast cover art was designed by Jennifer Cepeda. And thank you to Shiro, who created the podcast theme song, Sunken Streets. You can download this track on freemusicarchive.org or listen to him on Spotify, YouTube, and follow him on Instagram. This is Ellas.